Yeah. It's it. Okay, so the big spot is not on. Yeah. Kind of looks like. Well, they're just that's the way they're set up. Yeah. No, not happening. I know. I I really don't want to tempt fate. Yeah, that's right. He goes, I'm going to get a phone call as soon as we walk out the door. Uh, everything, yeah. The world just ended. Yeah, yeah. No, we're not. Sure. You know what? Let me do this. No, here's what I'll do. I'm going to turn off Facebook, and we'll just go to Vimeo, and at least we'll know, and then we won't see it on Facebook. McLean, you're controlling the lights. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get that spot. Next All right, spot. Sounds good. Let me get that spot. Sounds good. Stop saying those dirty words. Everything happens for a reason. How about the 
this was a little child. God must have needed your dad, your mommy, or someone to get you work. Then probably the trophy for the worst ever. Peter Shiloh's good. A long time ago in my ministry, I stood in the castle with a couple that lost a little girl, five, six, or eight years old. And so the whole thing came in and said to them, at the end of the Job has a huge story. 
context, we'd be here for days. I'm just going to try to fill in a few blanks here. You see, when Eliphaz spoke to Job about what was wrong, he basically said to Job in the 15th chapter, Job, you've been attacking God. I want to hear what Job's response to that is. It's in what we read. You'll, you'll hear this if you just read it over in your head. Job said this back. He shriveled me up. That's a witness against me. My witness has risen up against me. He has poured me in wrath. He's hated me. He's gnashed his teeth at me. My adversary sharpened his eye against me. And yet, of course, later, Job says this. I was an easy book to acquire. He grabbed me by the neck and dashed me to pieces. He set me up as this target, let his warriors come with their arrows to surround me. He's cut me down. What's Job saying to his friend Eliphaz? The Eliphaz said, You're attacking God. Job said, Oh, God, who's attacking who you? Have you seen what happened to me? Have you realized what's happening to me? And here's where I want you to stop and think about this for a minute. Our perceptions of what's happening to us around us are not always truthful. Do you realize that? Job is communicating to his friends how he sees them. It doesn't mean it's right. He's not expressing a systematic theology about God to some degree. He's telling them, this is what it looks like from my seat. From my vantage point, I'm the one that's hurting here. Nobody's attacking anybody but me. Sinful people, but we just need to keep on sinning. You see, Eliphaz had spoken to Job in the 15th chapter and said this What is man that he could be pure? And who is the one born of a woman that he could be righteous? God doesn't trust these people. The heavens are not pure in God's sight. How much less one who is abominable and corrupt, a man who brings injustice like a father. You see, get what Eliphaz just said is. Yeah, Job, you're a sinner. But not only that, you're a bad one. And Job responded to that. You see, the, and here's what I'm trying to get across with this church. The fact that we sin does not mean we have, that we're sinful, rather, does not mean that we have to sin. Illumaz is saying, you're sinful, or you do all kinds of bad things. You do things we don't even know about. You are such a heel. God, God is just pointing out the fact that you've got to come. Here's what Job's response is. I've sown sackcloth on my skin. I've laid my strength in the dust. My face is red from crying. My eyelids are deeply dark. Can you see how he rests his head? Can you see the rings around his eyes? Can you see that he's been weeping and crying before God for his happiness? He goes on to say, there's a lot of my prayer has been pure. And listen to this. Oh, earth, cover not my blood. My blood. Let my cry find a resting place. He, he says, somebody's got to tell this story. Somebody has to point out that I don't deserve this. 
sin are always trying to get you right with God. And Eliphaz, you're right. We are sinful, but I'm not that mean. Eliphaz, I've always pursued the high ground. I've always sought the best way. I'm not perfect, but I've done pretty good. They didn't understand. I have a gospel message at church. Uh, this is context for you. Human intelligence cannot rival God's wisdom. What do I mean by that? Eliphaz said this in the 15th chapter to Job. I'll tell you, hear me. Hear what I've seen and I declare. What wise men declare. What Eliphaz said to Job is this I have read Dr. Spock, Dr. Dobson, and Sidney Sloan. I've talked with Oprah and and Dr. Phil and Jordan Peterson gave me a personal telephone last night. Say, I, I know what all the self-help books have to say, Joe. Okay. Where are we at?
If I speak, my tongue is not a squad, and I'm a bear, how much I would please you. Surely now God has worn me out. He has made desolate all my company. He has shriveled me up, which is a witness against me, and my weakness has risen up against me. It testifies to my face. He's poured me in his wrath, and he has hated me. He has dashed his teeth at me. My adversary, my adversary sharpens his eyes against me. My face. Men have gaped at me with their mouth. They've struck me insolently on the cheek. They've asked themselves together against me. God gets me up again, but I'm an asshole to them with derision. I was at ease. He set me up in this cart. His archers surround me. He slashes over my kidneys and does all carry. He pours out my dog and burn and drinks me with greedy hungry. He places me with blood warm. If you listen to all that, what I've got going on here technologically has not gotten in the way of you hearing. But what I've just said is this. The God that I'm talking about is really a lower character. Most of you even know this better. In light of Job's circumstances, he has created a picture of God in his mind that is nothing like the God that you learn about in Sunday school. Job has literally sat down and shook his fist at God. He's disturbed. The God he knew, he trusted, he worshipped, and was committed to has allowed all of this to happen to you. And that tragedy, that disaster of his life has affected his thinking about who God is. Do you remember a few minutes ago in your sheet I said that his perceptions are not always truthful? Perception. Bad things have happened to you, and therefore God must be upset. God must be a bad God. You see, Job was looking at God through the lens of disaster. And he could only see a God of destruction. Mark, if you would go to the 15th, the one that has Job 16, verses 15 to 17. Job continues and says, I have sold a sackcloth upon my skin, I have laid my strength in the dust, my face is red with weeping. My eyes are deep darkness, and violently my hands are very sore. The 18th through 25th verse, Job cries out. And really, what he's crying out about is this. He's basically saying, I hope I die. Well, I hope, I think I'm going to die. With a smile on all this. It's a pathetic situation. Job also knew this. He knew that there was one. He knew that somewhere in this distorted view that he had, there was someone that before the throne of God was pleased with him. His faith pleases him. Let me stop for a minute and suggest something to you. I'm about to change directions completely in the message a little bit. I want you to hear me change directions. I want you to see. I am about to do. Because what I'm about to do is tell you about Jesus that Jesus has not been to you about this. What is Jesus? Come into this message. Let me tell you why. It's because Jesus understands our pain. He understands what we've gone through. You say, well, how could Jesus possibly understand? 
Jesus is the pillar maker of the promise. If you were to go back and look in the Gospels, in John 14, you'll remember that Jesus has said to his disciples in chapter 4, this, I'm going away and where I'm going, you can't come. That's where he begins to say, you know, in my father's house are many mansions. If we're so, I told you. Jesus, in the 14th chapter, is going to claim something to his disciples, to his followers. He's going away. But he wasn't going away without leaving them something. So the unique thing about Jesus that Job didn't have was that Jesus came to earth. Jesus understood their sorrow. In Christ, Jesus' followers were experiencing God in everything they could see. Their ups, their downs, their joys, their sorrows, their losses, their gains. Jesus put on skin and walked amongst them and knew everything about them. Later on in this message, you'll few minutes, it won't be that long. I'm going to tell you about Lazarus. Is this for a minute? Let's see. Lazarus. Remember, Lazarus sins, dies. And Jesus comes to the sisters, Mary and Martha, and the Bible says that Jesus wept. Do you remember there was this widow in Nain who didn't have a husband's widow, and she had an only son, and he died. When Jesus met her, it says this, he had compassion on her. One day, Jesus looks at the crowd of followers behind him, and he, it says that he had compassion on them because they brought Jesus out of hell. And in the beginning of the Gospels, we hear Jesus referred to as the Comforter, the one who knows our sufferings. So in John 14, Jesus says, I'm going away, but I'll help you be comforted. I will send my Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. He will remind you of everything I've ever said to you. And lo, I'm with you. I love it when the Gospel of John begins with these words, the Word became flesh. That is so comforting to me. That, that, that Jesus, that the God of the ages, took on a body like us. That God became like us. But now he's saying, I'm with you. And this is going to be this message to his disciples. And, and I think the reason it was so very distressing for them is because God, having put on flesh, understood how difficult it is to be us. But this God who knew our suffering and knew our sorrow said, I'll not let you comfort me. I'll send you my Holy Spirit to be with you, the comforter. You know, there's a song in the Old Testament that's called the comforter. Anybody ever said that song? And Jesus finally gets there a couple of days later. And Mary and Martha come up to him. You know what Jesus said to them? He said, 
We want to coincide each other when something happens. We want to be the friend to the person that's hurting. What we really don't know is Jesus Christ or not. Second Corinthians 1 and verse 5. And we have a slide for that, Mark. Second Corinthians 1 and verse 5. Paul wrote these words. We share abundantly in Christ's suffering. So through Christ, we share abundantly in his comfort. You see, if you're a Christian, you know discomfort can be sorrowful. And you have to find a way to share that with others. It happens. The only one that truly knows your suffering and your pain and my suffering and my pain is Jesus. Hebrews 4, 15, and 16. The Lord, we have to put this on the screen because I need the message for this slide. You all probably know it's my King James Bible, but I want you to see how the message wrote this. We don't have a priest who's out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced all, on the t-shirt, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get ready to get what he is supposed so ready to give. Take the mercy and just the help. We want to say, Our message really needs to be, I want someone who can hear me. I want someone who can see me. I want someone that can carry me because he's already done it. Christians know that it's not always important. When we accept Jesus Christ, we get his Holy Spirit, the one that Jesus called the comforter. Sometimes I think we forget that. Sometimes we ourselves feel that we've been abandoned like Job. But Christ said this I'll never leave you or forsake you. I am with you even to the end of the age. In other words, Jesus said, when you hook up with me, we are hooked up for eternity. He said, I'll give you the Holy Spirit, and I'll give that Holy Spirit to remind you, to be with you, to comfort you. That's why Jesus said, I'll give you another helper. The comfort. Believer or not, when you when they go through suffering, you don't ask what they can do. You let them know what he's already done. And here's my bottom line, and you're probably not going to like it. Here's where I get thrown out of church. Let's go to that last slide. young adult group who come to his class. There was a couple in the church who had this house. I don't think they had any kids yet. But they left for work one day and the house caught fire. Fire came to put out the fire. And the house didn't burn down. The house just suffered. But down in their basement, 
they had bought a freezer and they had filled that freezer up with a big long one with beef. Well, that sat there for like a month. They couldn't live in the house. They couldn't live in the house if you could maneuver it. When you're 20 years old, you're living in these little holes in this apartment in class, and Halloween comes along, that's a good little house. So our class did this thing. I'm not recommending you do it. We did this thing. One of the last things we did before we actually got a house was you went down to the casket before the freezer. I'll tell you what, you let a cow sit in a freezer for four months without electricity, you won't believe what it smells like. Yeah. <laughs> and friends, when we come up and we say, I know how you feel. So we do. When we come up and we say, all the crazy things we say, kind, well intentioned, same right thing. We can alienate people, friends. But when we come up and say, listen, I don't want to die upon the cross and put off this earthly state. I don't want to endure the griefs and tears and sorrows. I would love when he hung upon a cross, it became a sweet smelling savor to his father because he carried this burden that you now carry. He's already carried that evil now. Let him carry it. Thank you. 